I'm all about that fuss-free glam. Give me makeup that's versatile and feels like air on my skin and has ingredients that love my face, that's good for my face. You know, clean ingredients. And don't even get me started on mascaras because I do want them bold and lengthening. <laughs> and so we have Thrive Cosmetics, which I've been using since 2020, obviously because I appreciate their foolproof products that make it really easy to apply for any skill level. And they have a full line of makeup to refresh your everyday look, but also they give back. Every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive. Hence why it's Thrive Cosmetics, C a u s e medics thrive cosmetics and bigger than beauty skincare are not just makeup brands they're a whole vibe they're all about empowering us to rock our confidence and when you support them we are helping other communities thrive their stuff is not only easy to use but no nasties zero parabens sulfites phthalates they are 100 vegan and cruelty free let's talk lashes thanks to thrive's liquid lash extensions i must say that my lashes are just so beautiful and lush it adds lengths there are no clumps and also guess what it slides right off with warm water so no raccoon eyes here and i appreciate they have nourishing ingredients that support longer stronger and healthier looking lashes over time and it's a unique formula they use that creates these tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. We've had problems in the past with the link, but the link does work now. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com magic. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash magic for 10% off your first order. As someone who is so excited to garden this spring, yet really wants top quality soil, I'm really excited to introduce you to Coast of Maine, which is an esteemed brand renowned for its organic soil offerings. And if you're seeking to infuse your home environment with a nourishing essence that promotes flourishing plant life, you're going to want to listen to this because with over 28 years of expertise, Coast of Maine has meticulously crafted soils sourced from oceanic waters and farms certified for organic cultivation. It's so nice to find such a sustainable sustainable, eco-friendly brand who really emphasizes the importance of natural ingredients to enrich their soil. And I mean, they have, like I said, top quality with rigorous quality control and OMRI listed certification. Their diverse range of products caters to all gardening needs. Most of our soils may lack appropriate nutrients for success for our plants and our plants need this. We want to regenerate the healthy microbes in our soils to set up for gardening success and just for our plants to thrive. So if we add Coast of Maine products, this will indeed help. Whether you're planting trees or shrubs or perennials in your yard, adding Coast of Maine soil in your planting holes leads to a long, slow feeding of your plants, making them self-sufficient and vibrant, which we love. Let's say you want a vegetable garden, 
Not only will you receive abundant harvest, but there will be less feeding and maintenance throughout the season. Amazing. You know that everything grown in Coast of Maine soil is organic and safe for your family and friends right out of the garden. And then you get to also feel good about their sourcing as I'm so thankful they provide natural ingredients because they will never include household waste or biosolids. And we know that nothing nurtures the world above better than the soil below, cultivated from products and practices rooted in coast of Maine. And so they will continually perfect the art and science of sourcing, mixing, and composting products worthy of the people in the place that inspired their brand and the healthier world it was built to serve. Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers. We love supporting local and the products are carried by local retail partners who can provide advice and insight not found in big box stores. So Coast of Maine knows from beginner to expert, anyone who takes a hand to the land has something to offer the growing community of gardeners everywhere. And their products make organic gardening simple and approachable so we can all garden. So let's get to growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you. That's Coast of Maine, like the state with an E, Coast of dot Nature is abundant, flowers are abundant, the waves of the ocean are abundant, the clouds in the sky are abundant, everything in this universe comes in abundance. And if we are connected to nature, why are we not abundant? And it comes from the old limiting beliefs, the scarcity mindset, the stories that our grandparents and their grandparents have passed down from generations. Now let the magic begin. Hello, Soul Tribe. It's Raquel. And welcome to the next part of Sahara, a two-parter this November because our interview was quite a long time so I decided to divide it up and because she's already been published on this podcast twice so this will be part three piggybacking off of yesterday's part two episode and in this episode Sahara continues to expand on bridging the gap between ancient and modern Ayurvedic wisdom. Also, finding what works best for her and what works best for most of us today, yet holding all the knowledge from thousands of years ago as she's truly the human Ayurvedic encyclopedia. So I am so excited for you to enjoy what's next in each upcoming present moments as we talk about so many new things such as environmental and seasonal eating to balance your dosha and advice for the night owls out there and the early birds like me out there and working with your creativity and why she uses her pitta energy during the late late hours of the night whereas i'm the early bird tapping into a creative force in the wee wee hours of the morning and pretty much as i'm waking up <laughs> she's just gone to bed but it's what works for us 
And we also chit chat about timing of the day and what's the vata, pitta, and kapha time. And you'll hear more about that when she visits it in a few moments. And then she answers many soul triber questions. So thank you so much for all of those that submitted brilliant questions. And she answers questions about self-love practices for each dosha and what to do if you're imbalanced in all three doshas and her thoughts on on using dairy today in ayurvedic recipes because you know a lot of ayurvedic recipes have dairy and also her thoughts on free-range organic eggs and we talk about business so thriving in business and self-employment and entrepreneurship in your dosha and ancient Ayurvedic thoughts along with her modern Ayurvedic thoughts on the use of plant medicine. I hope that you enjoyed this as much as I did and you know what one more note that I I just feel it is necessary to share because I have this feeling this inkling of a feeling that some of you may resonate with this and though it's very vulnerable it's a very vulnerable note I just I know it's supposed to be said and once the energy is released in me <laughs> it's because it's more important for me to speak from my heart and you know set my ego aside and sometimes share a truth of the human mind and in case again this message speaks to someone who is also walking this line this line with me as you know no one's perfect and we all are just learning to evolve and expand from fears that we may have recently been introduced to or we've been holding on to for a while and this fear perhaps i've been holding on to it for a while and maybe in a past life but i found it more recently i felt it more recently and it made so much a world of sense to me and <laughs> I heard it from my own self and I observed that in this human life I have a fear of success and it's okay. <laughs> it's and it's more than okay because I'm a human, imperfectly perfect human and it's part of my journey right now in this life for whatever reason and so just to have compassion for it and face the fear and move forward. You know, I'm not I'm not mad at myself or detached, but I am you know, I, I'm looking at my friends like Sahara as an expander, especially given her past and the doubts from others and all the noise that, you know, could have stopped her, that that she persevered. And look, her book is out. You walk into a Barnes & Noble and you see it. And whether you have a fear of success or a fear of failure or a fear of, a fear of rejection to instead just thank your ego for simply protecting you, but... That is no that it is no longer needed and to begin to do something you know will serve your world and your soul so sahara is my expander in that sense and i'm just so very thankful to have people like this in my life and now <laughs> she's in your ears so to remind yourself that whether or not you have the support from your family or friends or your own ego to recognize that that it's up to you to face those fears and follow what you're being guided to do <laughs> and do that for yourself and for the world and for your soul and that's that's 
just a note that I felt like I had to share before leading into this episode. And also, I would love to thank our sponsor for this episode, Hum. So I'm thankful for Hum for so many reasons, especially for my health. For those of you who don't know, I had a severe case of what they call a belly belly when there's a little belly bug in your belly and you end up suffering from many digestive issues <laughs> and you walk around with basically, it looks like you got a little baby in your belly <laughs> and it was a very hard time and I took hum. I took their gut instinct and their flatter me tablets to smooth my digestive issues and flatten my belly and whoo pretty much cured it. I'm so thankful that they helped with that and I know a lot of people just love their vegan gummies for your hair and skin. Also what makes Hum so unique is that they offer a wide range of pure tried and true products and many of them happen to be vegan. And their products are carefully formulated by researchers and nutritionists who actually identify the right micronutrients to help whatever it is you're looking to heal, such as clearing your skin or growing and strengthening your nails and hair or healing digestive issues, also supplements to boost our energy and metabolism, and just more sustainably sourced ingredients. My favorite right now is the Daily Cleanse to clear my skin and bodies from toxins. And yeah, so if you are interested in trying out HUM, HUM is continuing to gift the Soul Tribe 20% off their purchases at humnutrition.com using the promo code MAGIC. That's humnutrition.com, promo code MAGIC. And now, it is time to let the magic continue with Sahara Rose. changing pages again so interested in doshas changing with the time and season and how you should eat certain foods depending on the environment does this matter with each dosha and does this matter for everybody oh yeah so important for everyone so in the summertime we're all going to be more pitta because it's hot or if you're in hawaii in a hot tropical place that's why you crave fruits you crave smoothies you crave salads you need the cooling foods because you're in such a pitta place in south india and in kerala they're eating coconuts all day you you know, it's a very different diet from North India, which is really like heavier foods, especially if you go to Tibet in the mountains, very heavy foods because it's cold. So our bodies naturally want to self-regulate. So the summertime, more pitta balancing foods. The fall time, this is when we're the seasons are transitioning and it's also when the air gets more cold, dry and windy. So this is when we need more of the vata foods and naturally earth provides us with the foods that we need. So the pumpkin, the squash, these spices, this is what we need in the fall time. And that's also in the beginning of winter. Then the end of winter where it's more wet, it could be raining, could be snowing. You could have be, just have a lot of rainfall, even if you live in a tropical place. This is moving into more kapha time. 
This is also throughout the spring. So this is when you need more stimulating foods, more spices, um, staying away from the heavy foods. Because if you eat like a lot of heavy foods deep in the winter, you're just going to feel more heavy. So this is when you're like, okay, spring is coming. You, you spice up your diet. You add in the ginger. You add in the cumin um, to get your metabolism going because the way that you digest is the way that you think. And if you can get your digestive system moving, you get your mind moving. And this is why we do spring cleaning and, you know, almost like a, a new rebirth. The spring actually is the new year. Um, so this is the time to kind of shed out like the old stuff of the winter and to move forward with new things. And doshas even change with the time of day. So the morning time as the sun rises, this is kapha time, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Then 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. is pitta time. This is the time that the sun is highest in the sky. And this is your best time to like get shit done. Like do your to-do list, like answer your emails, like be really organized, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Then 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. we enter vata time. This is your time to get your creative stuff done. To, you know, if you're a writer, if you are a screenplay writer, or I don't know, whatever it is that you do, your creative stuff, your vision board, where is it that you want to move? Do this in the Vata time because the energy is moving with you. Yes. And then 6 p.m. to 10 p.m., we enter back into Kapha time. So the sun was rising and now the sun is setting. This is the time again for your self-care, to connect to your body, connect to your earth, connect to your family, to get deep into your rest. You know, we have foreplay for sex. Why don't we have foreplay for sleep? It's not instant. So this is the time I say, start your sleep practice, start your sleep foreplay two hours before, you know, take a nice bath, oil your body, a Bianca oil massage, like really just like love up on yourself. The word oil in Ayurveda, sneha, it means love same exact word. So when you oil yourself, you love yourself. And it's important Ayurveda. I don't do this, but it is important to be in bed by and asleep by 10 p.m. And if you can do this, you'll actually you to, to be able to use the sleep before midnight is the most healing type of sleep that you can have. So if you look at monks, sadhus, gurus, spiritual teachers, they all sleep like four hours a night, but it's the earlier hours. They wake up at like 2 a.m. to do their sadhana, to chant, um, because those hours of sleep, when the energy of the sun is still on the earth plane and you're asleep in that time, it's actually more healing of sleep. So if you can sleep before we enter the pitta time again, and the pitta time again is at 10 p.m. So 10 a.m., also 10 p.m. And th- if you're like, what the fuck are you saying? It's all in the book. So 10 p.m., we enter pitta time again. Now, if you're awake, you get your second rush of energy. And that's when you're like, oh my God, I need to clean the house. I have emails to do. Oh, I'm going to write my new book proposal. Like, blah, blah, blah. Um, that's because you're getting that second wind. But in Ayurveda, they say that that time can actually be used for the most healing restoration of the body instead. So, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I ride that pitta wave often, but you do. You're a night owl. I am. And, you know, that's another thing about Ayurveda is they didn't have electricity back then. So I think if they did, things would be a little bit differently. I guess I don't feel as bad now because I was starting to feel a little weird and off because I seriously am out by like 8 p.m. But I wake up at 4 a.m. It's just I don't know. I tried actually last night to stay up with my dad past eight and I just I knocked out on the couch. (laughs) Wow. Different people are are kind of 
like operate at different times. And you also have to honor that too. So this is what Ayurveda says. This is the guideline of how the energy changes. But I also think like, do you, I do notice that like, for me, I'm not going to write my most creative stuff at 10 in the morning because energetically, I feel like I just started the day and there's a lot that I need to do. But once I've gotten like, you know, the things I need to do out of the way, then I can start to get creative. So I, that has really worked for me. Um, but at 10, 10 PM, I am more of a night owl. Um, if I could choose my sleep times, I would sleep at 1 AM and wake up at like 9 AM. Like that's actually how my body would want to operate. Um, so I do use that nighttime pitta energy, but I still make sure I get eight hours of sleep. And then I do notice that like, for me, I'm not going to write my most creative stuff at 10 in the morning because energetically, I feel like I just started the day and there's a lot that I need to do. But once I've gotten like, you know, the things I need to do out of the way, then I can start to get creative. So I, that has really worked for me. That's actually such a great time because that's, and a lot of people I think are on that boat. Well, it tends to be people um, who are like kind of like artistic types often are night owls. And I feel like it has to do with energetically during the day, there's a lot going on and you're like really picking up on it. Um, So then at nighttime, like I feel like, you know, everyone's asleep, just like the vibration is a little bit quieter and I can tune in. Whereas during the day, I feel like there's just too much stimulation happening. But some people they're more like the far- like the farmers. That's why I wake up at four. I get so much creative writing done right when I wake up, when no one's awake. And then I'm like, good for the day. Yes. I think it's like in those times, either if it's late at night or early in the morning, those times are the spiritual times. And, and 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. is Vata mm-hmm. time again. So this is the time where the veils between the yeah. earth and the sky are are the least the least heavy. So this is the time of spiritual downloads, of awakenings, of being able to connect to a higher source, which is why sadhana practices, meditation practices tend to be in yeah. these hours. And if you ever get a tap or you wake up at in the middle of the night at that time, perhaps the veil's lifted right by your bed. Perhaps there's an alien waiting <laughs> for you. <laughs> I love it. Do you have some time for a couple Soul Triber questions? Of course, yeah. Thank you. So Sarah Dato, she asked for self-love practices that may benefit each specific dosha. Mm. Vatas really need to connect to earth, to ground. So to literally practice earthing, to walk outside with your shoes off, that's going to be so helpful. This past week, I was like in three cities on my book tour and I literally just woke up and I was like at like a Marriott hotel and there's like a little patch of like dirt and I just took my shoes off and I'm like, I'm just going to stand here for like five minutes just to help balance my vata because everything was so heady. Like I'm thinking, I'm talking, I'm moving, I'm traveling. Like there was so much vata, like, like I'm excited, but it's almost like we're excited slash exhausted. Um, so I just really need to connect to earth. Whereas for pittas, yeah, for pittas to cool down, to be by the water, to even like if you're not, don't have access to a lake, river, pond, ocean, 
stick your hands in water, take a bath. Like literally I taught this meditation for Kino. She's like this yogi's thing. And the Pitta meditation in which I just channeled at that time was like, take a little like bowl of water and stick your hands in it and just like splash your hands. Like remember we used to do that as kids. There would be like that thing with the water and there were like toys and you'd splash around. Like that is so healing because water is so fluid and that's what Pittas need to be reminded of because they can be so rigid and so hard on themselves. And then also realizing that you are not worth what you create because Pittas, and I have a lot of this, is like you tie your self-worth into how much, you know, value you are contributing to society and you're already loved without creating anything. Um, And then for, yeah, and then for Kafas, it is to love yourself enough to put yourself first because Kafas think that the world will fall if they, you know, suddenly express their needs and they need to really practice like, what is it that I want? What is it that I need? Like, what would the best version of me look like? And from the kapha, I believe you should move into the vata. So start dreaming, start writing your vision board. Like what could this life really look like? What would your dream life, your dream relationship, your dream, everything, what could that be like for you? Um, because for a kapha, you can't move into the doing unless you really have a clear idea of what it is that you want. So for kapha, move into vata from vata, move into pitta from pitta, move into kapha. And it's this beautiful cycle, which also correlates with the chakras. Oh, dear kapha, you deserve to live that life. No matter what other people are asking for you or from you, no matter what they say, you deserve it. Coffees are so beautiful. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I definitely have lots of coffee in me, too. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Rachel Crawford asks, what if someone doesn't necessarily identify with one dosha, but not in a good way? So not because they're healthily balanced. So like, what if someone identifies with the pitfalls of all three doshas? Oh, wow. Totally. Yeah. You can have imbalances of all three doshas. So what I would look for is where is it out of balance? Because you can't have the same imbalance in the same place, right? You can't have cold, you can't be cold and hot and damp at the same time, right? It could be at different times. It could be different parts of your right. Your digestion can't be, you know, you can't be bloated and have diarrhea and <laughs> have like all at the same time. So you may have different imbalances in different parts of your body. So I would look at exactly where it is. Like what's your digestive system? Is it vata pitta kapha? What is your skeletal structure? What is your um, hormones? Like what is happening in each part of your body? Like maybe write that down. What dosha is it connected to? And then go into healing it with each one. Now, you can follow tridoshic suggestions because that will naturally take out anything that imbalances any of the three for the body. So the no cold, raw, dry foods, no spicy foods, no mucusy um, dairy products and excess carbs. So that's for the diet. Now for the mind, let's say you're like, I feel like I'm anxious and I'm angry and I feel like I'm lazy. Totally. We have all been there with all of those situations. So I would really practice 
real self-awareness of what is the main issue that is holding you back from taking that next step in your life. So is it that you have lots of ideas and you don't know where to direct your energy? You keep getting excited about new projects and nothing is getting done. This is vata. So I would move that vata into the pitta, into the doing, just to take action on something. Even if you don't know if it's like your dharma, at least take action moving towards a direction because it's only in the taking the action that you'll know if it was right for you or not. And when you're taking the action, when you have some, you know, some stuff in the game, you're not going to quit. Whereas what happens when it's still an idea is you're like, oh, well, I'm going to be a jewelry designer. Oh, now I'm going to move to Africa. Oh, now I'm going to like create jewelry in Africa. Like you have all these ideas, but you haven't done any of them. So it's really easy for you to give up. So have some stake in the game, start to do something. And naturally that's going to also heal the cough of the laziness because in the doing, you, you can't sit and be paralyzed anymore. So in the vata, move to the pitta. Now, if you feel like you're really pitta, all it is you're, you're just doing, you're working, you're hustling, you're on your grind, but you feel burnt out. Like you're, you don't even know what it is that you're really here for. Move into the kapha, move into the sacred pause. You're not going to figure out your idea when you're moving a million miles an hour. It's always when you take the walk, when you take the bath, when you allow the space between the inhale and the exhale. That is where the idea lives. So you have to love yourself enough to know that you will still be full power even if you take that break. And it is from that kapha that the vata emerges. The idea comes through. And when that idea is strong enough, when it moves through that crown chakra into your third eye and you speak it from your throat and you feel it with your heart and you embody it with your solar plexus, you have joy with it in your sacral chakra, you naturally will birth it through your root. So if you just move with the flow of the energy, you will always be guided. Sahara, thank you. Rachel, I hope you took all of that in. And I have no doubt that if you just apply some of this, even just one of her suggestions tomorrow or today, even just for today, that something will change in a great way. And you'll balance one part, just one, just for today. Sometimes too much to take Mm -hmm. on can be overwhelming. So just one. Exactly. Yeah. Just look at what what is the next real step that I can take and just... I think the having that cycle of the vata, what can I do that's more, if you're vata, more pitta, pitta, more kapha, kapha, more vata, and just move in that direction. And you may have different projects and different parts of your life that you're in different stages. You could be really pitta and hustling in your nine to five, but you could have this idea that you really want, which is very much in your vata. And you can have a relationship that's really stagnant and it's really in the kapha. And you will approach those each by following the dosha that comes next. Dear listener, this episode is also brought to you by itself, Your Own Magic. Not only is Yom a podcast, but a dedicated secret Facebook group and a Soul Tribe exclusive site. If the messages here, if they resonate with you in any way, I invite you to join us and connect with more soulful and loving souls on the Your Own Magic Facebook group. And if you're interested in my own magic and soul tools, 
That is exclusive for the Soul Tribe at yourownmagic.life, full of new monthly guided meditations, meditative imaginings, magic challenges, journal questions for the soul, soulful creativity, inspiration, and more self-expansion and discovery tools for the soul to add to your tool belt. So just so much dedicated to helping you tune in and tap into your inner voice, to your soul and to help you unleash your own magic. So you can find that at yourownmagic.life. It's only $4.44 a month. I wanted to make it super cheap just so anybody could at least try it out. So come check it out at yourownmagic.life. And whether you join or not, just know I am beyond grateful for you taking this time to listen to this podcast and to be part of the tribe in some way. And even more importantly, begin to connect with your soul. Aho. Also, earlier we talked about potentially talking about dairy and your or the Ayurvedic or your new your new insights to it, especially in this modern day world. And I want to make sure that we cover that because I could see them being like, you never talked about it. And she said yeah, she would. So yeah, sure. so we could do that a moment. Yeah. So, you know, in ancient India, cows were honored. Lord Shiva was a bull herder. So cows are literally sacred. And they had their neighborhood cow, which they would give garlands of flowers to and would pray to. Om Ganapati Om. Like these are all for the cow. Cows are considered India's mother. So of course, they knew that they needed a source of healthy fat. They have cows everywhere. Why don't we take the milk and we have this fire and I can burn this milk and it will turn into this butter fat. And why don't I use that as my healthy fat? That was a very amazing um, invention that they created. But our day and age is very different today. We don't have neighborhood cows that we feed and we bless and we love and we cherish. Cows are stored in inhumane conditions that no living sentient being should be stored in. They're pumped with antibiotics and hormones. Um, Antibiotics because the living conditions they live in are so horrible that they won't be able to survive without them. And hormones because each cow is about $80 more profitable if it is filled with estrogen and can produce more milk. So these cows are giving milk before that a cow ever should and spend the rest of their lives just giving milk. And normally it's like, you know, think of like us as women, like we can give milk, but it's for a small period of our times for our babies. Cows are the same. Imagine if they made us like give milk our whole lives by feeding us tons of estrogen. So our bodies think we're lactating. That's what they're doing. So we're going through a very serious problem with our dairy industry. And on top of that, the dairy is pasteurized, which means it's heated up to a very high level that all of the living enzymes, which make it digestible, are killed. So even if you're ingesting this dairy, even if it doesn't have the antibiotics and hormones in it, if it is pasteurized, it's no longer absorbable by your system. So the reason why I took dairy out is because it's not the same dairy. If the rishis of Ayurveda looked at the dairy today, they would never recommend it to anyone. Now, if you have your own neighborhood cow that you milk and you love, go for it. Drink that. But most of us don't have that. And we have so many other options available to us that they didn't have in ancient India. They didn't have avocados. They didn't have uh, olive oil. They didn't have like, you know, they they 
created oil, but it wasn't in the same way. They didn't have oil distillation processes until many thousands of years later. We can do coconut oil, sesame oil, which are also parts of Ayurveda. So I took out the dairy because it is so inflammatory and also kapha imbalancing, which the average American has a kapha imbalance in their body, they're overweight, and a vata imbalance in their mind, they're anxious. So we need to slow down our minds, stop multitasking, stop having 50 bazillion tabs open on our computer at once, and then also get out of our kapha rut, start moving, start shaking, start gathering, start owning our truth, and let go of the things that will imbalance kapha. So that is why I decided to take dairy out. And, you know, I have things in there like different nut-based cheeses and milks. And um, a lot of the stuff is also nut-free because we've also really overdone it with the nuts in like vegan cuisine. Like everything is uh, cashew cheese, cashew this, cashew that. I became allergic to every kind of nut in my raw vegan culinary school because it was literally all I was eating. So moving away from also like feeling like we need a replacement for dairy. Like, yes, have a cashew cheese sometimes, but you don't need it every day. Plants are enough. We don't need to use plants and recreate them to fit this Western idea of what a meal looks like. What if that plant was just enough? Wow, that is so good to know. To piggyback off of it, somebody asked, let's see, Alexandra. She asked, Alexandra Rygert asked, opinion about, she wants your opinion about local free-range organic eggs. She writes, I feel like Mm. this topic gets debated so often in the health world, and I would love to hear her personal opinion about it, especially with the amount of experience research she has collected over the years involving food. Blackheart. There you go. (laughs) Blackheart back. Personally, I don't eat eggs. And the reason why is because of Epstein-Barr virus. And Epstein-Barr virus is an autoimmune condition that most of us have. So don't like hit the fan. (laughs) Most of us have it. And it is related to the toxins in our environment. And one of the things that feeds Epstein-Barr is Mm. our eggs. So you can get a blood test, a food sensitivity test. Many companies do them at home um, and you can see what you're intolerant to. So for me, every time I would do them, eggs would show up and I'm like, I don't get it. Like I eat eggs and I feel fine. I don't have digestive issues. Like nothing's wrong. I feel great when I eat eggs. In fact, I love eggs, but they kept showing up. When I did more research, I found out that I have inactive Epstein-Barr. So I never had mono. If you've ever had mono, that's Epstein-Barr. If you have acute viruses that keep coming back, that's related to Epstein-Barr. But you can still have it inactive in your body because most of us have come into contact with it. So the reason why the eggs and also all of the nuts were showing up as hypersensitive to me was from the inactive Epstein-Barr. So I have totally cut eggs out of my diet for that reason. So interesting. Every time I hold an egg, I ask myself, like, because I feel like I sometimes... My ego will tell me like you need some a little bit of animal protein some way and you know you're not gonna eat meat. So maybe you should have an egg. And then I just can't do it. And I wonder if there's a reason for that. And it could have something to do with Epstein Barr. I'm gonna look into that. That's so interesting. Yes. 
I think if you really need an animal product, I would do fish over eggs, but then it's the conversation of, well, the wild yeah. fish has Fukushima and the farm raised fish is like died. <laughs> so it's like what fish to eat and you could do sardines, but like they're, they're in cans and, you know, it's really hard. Um, back, back in the day, like you'd just get a fish from the river and it was very different. Again, Ayurveda does not recommend eating any animal products, but if you feel like you really need it, I would do uh, fish over eggs because at least it doesn't feed EBV. Yeah. I don't know if I, my ego can just sometimes tell me that I think. Totally, because we're we're told like you need grounding, yeah. you need animal products, but like what if the grounding came from like like a roasted sweet potato and Brussels sprouts mm-hmm. and like beans and I'm chili and you know there's so much grounding you can get yeah. from plants. Yes, I'm always fine because I end up just eating plants and I feel so good, so good. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. let's see, let's do one more. This one would actually be a combination of two girls that are kind of asking the same thing, Daria. I do not know how to pronounce her last name. Niche. I love what she's doing lately with relating to entrepreneurship to the doshas. I don't have a specific question, uh, but you always know how to get the best info. So she wants something relating to entrepreneurship. And then Puck Willow Jackie asks, she says, my two faves collabing together. Do you have any tips on living and thriving tips for any Ayurvedic type while being self-employed? So something with entrepreneurship and your doshas and how you can thrive in this world. Oh my God, it's the last question. I'm like, I'm going to talk for another like 45 minutes just on this. <laughs> we'll do separate parts. <laughs> it works. Yeah, it is. Um, it is such a great question because, you know, Ayurveda was the first thing that healed my health. And then once I regained the health, I'm like, wait, now how am I going to like live my life and like make money and have a business and like share this? So I always was like afraid of the business, afraid of the money. I remember I was like in India on New Year's like five years ago and everyone has these like intentions and they're like, I want to be more in my flow, more in my feminine. I'm like, I wish I could be more in my masculine. I don't understand how money works. (laughs) It was always this thing that was like over my head. And I realized that this is something that a lot of conscious people have because we've grown up not knowing what money is, but seeing our parents fight about it or wanting something. And the reason why, oh, you can't get that toy. Do I look like I'm made out of money? Does it look like money grows on trees? So we've picked up these limiting money stories that are holding us back from abundance. And abundance is our birthright. If you look at nature, nature is abundant. Flowers are abundant. The waves of the ocean are abundant. The clouds in the sky are abundant. Everything in this universe comes in abundance. And if we are connected to nature, why are we not abundant? And it comes from the old limiting beliefs, the scarcity mindset, the stories that our grandparents and their grandparents have passed down from generations. You know, a lot of people, their ancestors, their great-grandparents lived in the Holocaust. That's a major loss. So for them, and we can see this now with epigenetics, that Whatever it is that your grandparents went through, any traumas get stored somatically in your system. So, for example, a lot of Holocaust ancestral survivors, they have a very hard time dealing with hunger or dealing with loss. I have a friend, every time she's really hungry, she like actually has a breakdown and she never understood why. And then when she realized maybe it's because my great grandparents were starving in the Holocaust, that put everything together and now she's able to heal that part of herself. So we all have different stories that we were brought up with and I've noticed a connection with the doshas. So vatas, it tends to be 
money comes, money goes. Like, I don't really know how it works. I don't want to look at my bank account. If I don't look at my bank statement, it's like it never happened. And what ends up happening is you go through periods of great loss and periods of great gain. Um, I look at, you know, I have an abundance mindset masterclass. And an example I give in that is Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson is so Vata creative, amazing dancer. He made over $2 billion in his lifetime, which translated today would be like $11 billion. Wow. But, he, but he died in you know $250 million worth of debt. And um, financial analysts have found that he was spending about $125 million a year more than he earned. Like on what? How? Like I don't even yeah. know. Wow. Like lots of chimps at Never Never Land. It's, the thing is, it has nothing to do with the money and everything to do with the energetics. Mm-hmm. So he was dealing with a major vata imbalance. Mm-hmm. And that's also why he was kind of getting screwed from his manager, from people stealing money from him, which also happened to Prince, which also happens to a lot of creatives. Because when you're so vata, when you're so distant from the money. It feels too heavy. It feels too like tangible for you. People see that and they often get taken advantage of. So the Vatas need to learn about the money and the finances. And that is how their creativity can actually flourish when there's some grounding and some structure there. The Pittas, they tend to get really obsessive about money. They like no, you could be like, how much money do you have in your bank account at any time? And they will know exactly how much. They have spreadsheets. They set Q1 through Q4 goals. Like they're so organized. Like they have their taxes prepared like from a year in advance. I wish I was more like that. Oh my gosh, um, But yeah, but for them, what ends up happening is they don't take creative risks mm. because for them, they want to see what's the ROI, the return on investment. Yeah. And sometimes your heart doesn't have an ROI. No. You just have to go with your gut. Oh my god! So that happens. And then the kafas, they save, they hoard, they want to hold on to things. Oh, well, what if, what if I need this later? Oh, my ex from five years ago gave me this. I can't let that go. Like if you think about a lot of mothers, mothers were really raised to be kafas, like our generation of mothers. So that's why like my mom's like literally texting me every day. She's like, this is, I'm reading your paper from ninth grade. You were such a good writer. Don't you want to come back and reread these? I'm like, no. (laughs) Um, But it's like, cause the kafa is there that she feels like she needs to hold on to everything. So the kafas, hoarding, holding on to things, Mm. um, not, not investing in yourself. Like maybe you will spend your money on buying gifts for other people, Mm -hmm. or you'll spend on things like, you know, fancy candles and comfy blankets and, you know, things for your home. Cause they love home and decoration, very Taurus and energy. Um, but when it comes to like hiring a coach or taking like a program that can really help you, they're like, oh, no, no, I don't need that. I'll figure it out. And they tend to Not. just gravitate <laughs> to working, yeah, to working for um, other people a lot of the times too, because they don't want to invest their own money into their business because they'd rather know that a paycheck's coming in. Mm. So we all have our own unique abundance and money blocks. And when we are able to get to the root of that, that's when all yep. of the magic can happen. That's when you can shift it. That is, oh, great oh my gosh I could actually talk to you for days of entrepreneurship and Ayurveda lifestyle seriously okay well my next book is on that so we'll we'll talk about it when it comes out yes you're coming back on there is actually one more girl that I do think she would want this question asked and then this will be the last ultimate question there were a lot of really good ones so this was hard um Alyssa Hostler she asks can plant medicine throw off your doshic balance? Does smoking marijuana increase vata because it is air and gets you high? And ayahuasca is a tea. So does that or does too much throw off the water in pitta and kapha? So how do plant medicines in general affect the different doshas? 
That's a really good Mm. question. I'm curious. That's a great question. Yes. So I'll speak first from the Ayurvedic perspective and then from my own. All right. I love it. The The Ayurvedic perspective is not for marijuana or ayahuasca. For them, they believe that the only truth that can come is from within yourself. So anything that is used as a crutch is not allowing you to actualize the truth in the time that it is you are ready to learn it. So when you have something like ayahuasca, you may get loads of information that you may not be ready for. And the truth is only really worthwhile when you're coming to it in this human body, in this human form, in this time on your own journey. So they don't believe in ayahuasca or marijuana. Um, In India, there are sadhus, spiritual people who do smoke a lot of marijuana, but Ayurveda does not look look up to that. They are people who are aesthetics. So they're actually drawn away from society and all they do is meditate. So for them, they don't really have any um, kind of like responsibilities. So for them, they, they can do that. Whereas for Ayurveda, it's more of the householder path. It's more for people who want to be in society, have families like you know, live in part of this humankind. Um, so for them, again, the marijuana, anything that you smoke, they don't recommend because of the lungs. It's very airy. It can make you disconnected from truth, disconnected from what's going on. Um, and again, can really be used as a crutch. So that's the Ayurvedic perspective. They would say very much a big no to both of those things. Yeah. And, and, and any Ayurvedic person that you really talk to, like, will will tell you that. Now, my, my approach is, you know, it really depends on where you are in your own journey and what is the purpose of it. For example, I don't smoke weed at all. I have tried it and it doesn't resonate with me. Every time I do, it makes me way too vata that I get really anxious. And I've tried multiple times throughout my life and it's, I've always been hit with that. So I've kind of seen that's not, that's not for me. I've, done shrooms. And that has been really amazing for me because it brings me into the kapha and it helps ground me, which is something that I need more help with. I'm already very vata. So, um, and again, it's allowed me to see the, you know, the sacred geometry that connects things and how earth is so alive, but I don't do it regularly. I've done it few times in my life and it's been a few years since even before my books came out but I'm glad because it uplifted that veil and allowed me to see the way that things are Um, but it's not something that I need and I think a lot of times like people like they smoke DMT and they see oh my god like earth doesn't exist and we're all created and it's like yes that could be the truth but what is it helping with in your regular life like what you just see all these psychedelic colors and and then what what are you going to do with that so I think sometimes we lose the point of like how is this helping society how is this helping you is this really making you become a better person or is this kind of just a tv show for you so having your purpose, why? But for example, like my fiance, he produces music and for him, smoking weed helps him get more creative and um, it is helping him with his dharma of creating music. So, you know, I had to release my judgment against him and be like, this is just his creative thing and it's helping him connect to source and he's very pitta. So he needs something to help him get more creative. Again, I think that if he meditated more, he wouldn't need that, but this is where he's at and I have to release judgment in myself. With ayahuasca, again, I've never sat with ayahuasca, but I know a lot of people who have. Um, And I think that 
if you are in the right space, you have the right intention, you are being supported, you are having the proper integration into it and outside of it, and you are using it towards the support of your highest self, then go for it. If you're doing it because you met a shaman and he's doing ayahuasca on a Wednesday night and everyone else is doing it and you feel like you're lost and confused and you've never really meditated, so you feel like ayahuasca is going to make you more spiritual, that is not the reason (laughs) to do it. Amen to that. Oh, yes. I 100% agree with everything you just said when it came to this. That's so interesting too. Wow. And your guy, he's more, he's a, he's a pitta, his dominant dosha. He is pitta. Yeah. Like he, he's very creative. Like he, he makes music and he manages artists, but he's so in the pitta in his everyday life, like managing all these people's careers that for him, when it comes to music, he almost like needs that separation. So smoking weed helps him get there. Whereas uh, like, for example, my ex and a lot of other people, they wake up and they smoke weed. Like they can't operate without it. That is very much a crutch. If you don't even know who you are without this plant. And, you know, marijuana is feminine energy. So most of the time, the people who are very addicted to it are men because they're craving the feminine, they're craving the fluidity, or women who are more in their masculine are craving it. Um, She is a female. Ayahuasca also, she's female, but very motherly energy. And uh, she tends to gravitate towards people who are in positions of power um, because she's helping guide the way of showing uh, plants and earth as a living being. So she's very much doing a lot of work in Silicon Valley with, you know, these entrepreneurs. And this is an amazing thing that that she's helping guide. You know, the plants are always changing. They're always delivering messages. So they're helping take these like CEOs and people in positions of power and showing them how to be more eco-sustainable and to honor and respect the plant. But then there's a lot of people who are just going into it because they've heard a podcast on it and they're just jumping in and um, and they're not ready for it. And sometimes they're exposed to things that their consciousness was not ready for. So for me, I have not done it. I do think I will do it at some point in my life, but it has to really call for me. And I also believe that you should be doing it where the plant is from. The mother never likes to be taken, her children taken from her. So I would do it in a place that the plant is native from. And I would know someone who sat in ceremony with that shaman because there are a lot of fake shamans out there. A lot of shamans who will quadruple the doses of the ayahuasca because they're like, oh, the gringos want a, want a spectacle. That's actually what they say. Because sometimes when you sit your first time, you don't see anything you know, but then their people are like, I spent $400 on this. That was a waste of my money. So they will quadruple the doses to make sure you have like a psychedelic experience. And that's not real ayahuasca you're doing. That's pretty much using it like a drug. Yeah, that is. Wow. I didn't even know that. Wow. I've never done ayahuasca as well. And I do see that happening in my future. I don't know if it's near or far, but I'm going to take that all into consideration. And I do agree. Yeah. And there are, yeah. And there are a lot of people who've been miraculously healed. Like I know a shaman, he's helped people with brain tumors and then they Mm. did, they sat with the ayahuasca and it's helped them with that. So there are immense healing benefits to it. I just think that it needs to be taken in a true ceremonial and medicinal way. Exactly. And, and in the meantime, you know, just continue your meditation practice. I've definitely had very intense experiences with intense meditations. So Mm -hmm. that's, it's the same thing. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Are you ready for some rapid fire? 
Yes. I love it. Also, you are so fun to interview because, I mean, we go for so long, but you just get so into it. And oh, I'm yeah. Just like, like, I'm- let's keep going. <laughs> I, I love answering the questions because it's like, you know, this is what people think about. And there's there aren't places that we're having these types of dialogues. So it's really important. And I'm and I'm very happy to be in your sacred space where you're holding that container. Oh, thank you so much. And there are so many more questions, too. I could have asked you so many. <laughs> we'll just do a question day. <laughs> Yeah, I would. I'm sure they would love that. Maybe for your next book, we'll just be like, "All right, all the questions, send them in." I'm down. We'll do it. <laughs> all right, rapid fire. If you could only share two of your recipes with the world, what would they be? Mm, I think the Durga bowl. It's the Durga warrior goddess bowl. It's very easy. It's something that everyone could do. It's tridoshic. A lot of people think ayahuasca, Ayurveda. <laughs> We've talked about ayahuasca so long. Um, <laughs> Ayurveda is really confusing and time consuming. And it's basically has the six tastes of Ayurveda, sweet, sour, salty, bitter, pungent, and astringent. All of my lunches are the six taste bowls. Um, but I love the Durga bowl. So that's one of my favorites. And um, I also love the chakra soups. They are so beautiful. It was a vision that I had before writing the book. Um, So they are seven soups correlated with each chakra and the color of the chakras. Literally right when I asked you that question, I opened the book and I opened it to chakra soups. I haven't even seen this yet. I thought I saw the whole book, but wow, they're beautiful. Yes. Oh my God. Is the blue, blue spirulina? It is. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Oh yes. This is gorgeous. I'm a, I'm in love. Favorite dinner in your book recipe to cook for you and your man. Mm, um, favorite dinner. Yeah, like date dinner date dinner um he doesn't really get many date dinners these days I'm like I've been so busy I'm like oh what are you gonna eat I'm gonna have like my leftover whatever stuff um date dinner I like the Thai green curry it's very easy to make it's essentially you know there's like a, a green curry paste recipe which is really easy it's kind of like um herbs that are blended up but it's not spicy and you add in some coconut milk you could add in some chopped veggies and I like that one it's simple it's easy it's flavorful everyone likes it Again, when I asked that question, I flipped the pages again and I landed right on that one before you said it. So oh weird. my God. <laughs> so weird. Okay. Um, also, what's your guy's name? I keep calling him fiance, man. Dude. His name is Steven. Steven. Yeah. P-H or a V? V. V. That's the way to spell it. Yeah. Spirit animal. Mm, I resonate a lot with dolphins. In Kauai, I saw tons of dolphins, which was just so, uh, I just love them so much. They're so playful and wise and communicative, expressive, and really remind me to just like, you know, have fun. You are such a dolphin. That's like the (laughs) kindness compliment anyone could ever give me. I also like um, the, the jaguar and I like the peacock as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Dolphins are my second favorite animal. Love peacocks. One of the best birds. And your favorite kind of potato? Sweet potato, for sure. Like, I just always have some roasted sweet potato in my fridge, and I'll just have them, like, for breakfast with some, like, sunflower seed butter and cinnamon. Or if I want, like, you know, quick, easy dinner, they're just so versatile and good to have. Did you have the sweet potatoes in Kauai? No. Are they really good? Oh my Landa, their Japanese sweet potato are just out of this world and oh they grow God. them there. I they need should be to... called sweet potato. But no, I love I love purple um sweet yes. potatoes too. More cuz the color they're I don't like the taste as much, but the color is just so they look like amethysts. You 
taste? Are you crazy? I like Wait, them, but they're not. They're more like white potato tasty than sweet potatoes, you know? They are. Oh, yeah, that's very true. Um, I'm looking for your chakra. Are the purple sweet potatoes the crown chakra soup? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I'm assuming so. Yes. Okay. All right. Next question. Favorite latte in your book? Mm, I drink golden milk like every day. Um, mm. You know, the turmeric not only is anti-inflammatory, but it's as effective as Prozac as an anti-depression. Wow. Um, so you can even Google that. Turmeric as effective as Prozac. So very good for your mood, very good for your serotonin. Um, so I'm always drinking my turmeric golden milk. I like the chai. There's a little bit more preparation to it, so I don't have it as much. But the golden milk has no preparation, so I'm just drinking that all the time. <laughs> Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm going to make that for the family Christmas party. Favorite date night date? I love dancing. So anything that can get us on the dance floor, moving our bodies, that for me is like, you know, the ultimate way to connect. You're such a dolphin. Yes. Um, <laughs> favorite dessert? Mm, I love the avocado brownies in the book. They're really fudgy and just like, you know, the real brownie tasting, but they don't have all, like eggs and sugar and wheat and they're really oh easy to make too. And they take only like nine minutes to bake. My mouth is watering. Oh, they're cute. Amazing. All the juices and the drinks, potions. Yes, How potions. Cute. All right. When you think of the word kind, who is the first person who comes to mind? Mm, I think of my grandmother. She's so kapha mm -hmm. and so kind and has literally like given her whole life to her children, her grandchildren. And she was the first person who like when I was a kid would be like, oh, put the strawberry face mask on your face and like put some avocado in your hair. And she's like self-care queen. So mm -hmm. she's Aww. such kindness to me. Yes. Epitome of kapha. Wow. And is there a book you're currently reading? Mm. Um, I'm always like reading different books. The most recent one was called Choose Wonder Over Worry. That was really nice. Never heard of that one. Yeah. I like the title. Yeah. If you were guided to get a tattoo tomorrow, so your spirit guides or something were like, you're getting a tattoo tomorrow, Sahara, what would it be and why? Um, I would, I mean, I would love to get a tattoo, but because of the lead that's in the ink, yeah. that's the reason why I I'm not getting one, but I, I would love to get the word Kriya mm -hmm. in Sanskrit, which means flow, which we talked about on your other episode. Yep. I love that. I, well, maybe one day they'll be like, Hey, you're going to get this lead free tattoo. Yeah. They'd have and them, but they're like not permanent. And I think they like fade away. Right. Yeah. I will. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Maybe your answer will change this time. So the universe gave you free billboards to share one message across the main highways in major cities all around the world, what would these billboards read? Mm, I don't remember what I answered last last time. I can't remember. Did, did I say do your dharma last time? Because that's what came to mind so. again. But then now I'm like, people don't know what dharma means. Um, oh, we didn't go over that. I mean, you can talk about it. No, well, I met people who were, who would be reading the billboard. Oh, okay. <laughs> if I had them all around LA, they'd be like, dharma, what the hell? Oh. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I would say like like follow your purpose. That's really why I believe that we're all here. I love that. And one last question. How would you advise the Yom listeners to create their own magic? Mm. 
to tap into your unique strengths. And if you have no idea what those strengths are, maybe ask your family and your friends, like, what are the things that you think that like, I'm really good at? Like, what are the things that you would come to for me? Because sometimes we don't even recognize what our own strengths are. And maybe you're that friend that people come to and they have a problem. Maybe you're that friend when they have like a branding issue, they come to you, or maybe you're really organized or whatever it is, find that thing it is that really makes you unique and begin following that. And those are the exact breadcrumbs that are bringing you towards your dharma, your path. I love that. Ask somebody that really knows you. Wow. Yes, yes, and yes. Also, everybody, Eat, Feel Fresh, a contemporary plant-based Ayurvedic cookbook. Okay, so usually I, because I, you know, travel the world and I have a Kindle because I don't want to carry a ton of books all the time, though I would prefer the physical copy. But now in my hand, my mom made sure to hand me Sahara's physical copy of her beautiful book. And I'm so happy that I have the physical copy because it is beautiful. So order it on Amazon, right? Or where else can everybody find it? And book Barnes & Noble. Yeah, wherever books are sold. (laughs) Wherever books are sold. Yes. And where can everybody find you and connect with you? Yeah, so the best place is on Instagram. I am Sahara Rose, Sahara like the desert. And my podcast is called Highest Self Podcast, where I discuss a lot about these topics, spirituality, Ayurveda. And you can discover your dosha on my quiz at IamSaharaRose.com. If you guys like this podcast, you will love, fall in love with hers. She is just like walking wisdom. And so, and I love that. uh, Who was it? Was it Deepak that said you are an ancient soul in a modern body? No, a leading (laughs) voice for the millennial generation into the new paradigm shift. I love that. Yes. Yes. Uh, So sweet. Thank you so much for having me here. It's such a pleasure. Hara, you're always welcome and you're always welcome to come back. Mm, thank you thank I love your community you. and I loved all the questions thank you for everyone who sent them yeah Sahara thank you so much seriously Aww. for taking this time I'm so I love talking with you and one day I want to hang out yes I most definitely will take up that offer <laughs> yeah I know I'm dead serious sounds good see you in Hawaii <laughs> dear Yomi thank you so much so so much for lending your ear I I hope something in this spoke to your soul. And will you please, please say hello in the Your Own Magic Facebook group to all of the Soul Tribers. And if you if you like this podcast, I would so love to read your review. And of course, I'll gift you a free guided meditation from yourownmagic.life, which by the way, has many meditations, meditative imaginings, journal questions, magic monthly challenges, and just other spiritual tools for your soul. More on yourownmagic.life when you join the Soul Tribe exclusive site for $4.44 per month. I'm just thankful for us spiritualists to gather together and have a safe space to help us tap into our own magic. Anyways, I love you all so much. Thank you for listening and have a magical day.